We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Ring Out Ahoya podcast is your official home for the latest information on Marquette Athletics. Join us each week for exclusive conversations with administrators, coaches, student athletes, and many more. We are Marquette. I'm your host, Scott Kuykendall, and joining us today is Travis Diener, member of Marquette's Final Four team, NBA player, and personal hero to Wisconsinites throughout the state. Travis, is that accurate? Uh, I would say maybe personal hero to my kids, but that's about <laughs> it. How's it going? It's been uh, been a w- bit of a year, huh? Yeah, it's. I mean, with everything that's going on, um, you know, throughout the world with the with the virus and uh, coming back home a little earlier from Italy, and then you know the the chance to to play in the TBT, which is you know the first event. Where uh, for live sports essentially uh, was uh, obviously a, a great experience for all of us and to represent 
the university in a small way again was is is and was uh, always such a exciting time for for all of us. I think we were joking earlier, and I don't know, maybe you were serious that you feel like you're known more now for the TBT and leaving Italy than playing on a Final Four team with Marquette fans. Yeah, I mean it. With it was a long time ago. Yeah, I mean it was 17 years ago, and you just try to, you know, people forget, and it, you know the TBT is giving me a little fountain of youth because people haven't seen me in, in America playing so long because I've, you know, my NBA experience, there's is bits and pieces, but then, you know, going overseas, there's not much you know, action over there for, for people to watch. So to come back and have these games on ESPN and, you know, make a big shot. So yeah, I get all, I get people, you know, last couple of months come up, coming up to me and, and talking about the shot and it's, it's getting a little, uh, a little annoying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so difficult being Travis Diener these days. Yeah. What, uh, you know, you obviously Bucks fan, NBA, played in the NBA, NBA fan. You got a little taste, like you mentioned, of what it was like in a bubble for a few weeks. Now it's been months for some of these guys. I mean, could you imagine what that's been like for them? I mean, everybody thinks, hey, you're in Florida, Disney, it's great. But it's a lot of, a lot of time alone. Yeah, our our bubble in Columbus was was two weeks, and you know we weren't allowed to go outside, so it was really strict that way. We were, we weren't allowed to co mingle with other teams, so it's essentially just our twelve guys in that you know on that team room every day. So in that sense, the NBA is uh, a little more fortunate. They're allowed to go outside. They're allowed to golf, fish, uh, co mingle with other teams, and now thankfully they've allowed you know family members to come. But you know that first. You know, four to six to eight weeks, I'm sure it was brutal, uh, especially with, you know, no offense to these NBA guys, but they're high ego guys. You know, they're, they're, they're used to having things, you know, very accommodating. So it's definitely very, it's an adjustment. I think, you know, some of the statements from players, they, they knew it was going to be a hard time, but they didn't realize just the effect it could have on them, both from a, you know, a physical standpoint, but more so from a mental standpoint. As we tape this, we're getting ready for Game 7 in Western, start of the Eastern Conference Finals, and that's been huge too. I know, obviously, Marquette guy to be able to watch, Jay and Jimmy and Doc, and just your thoughts on what you've seen from those guys, and, and Wes as well. Yeah, they, they just represent everything that's, that's Marquette basketball with the way they play. It's just so unselfish. It's tough. You know, you watch Wes now, and – I don't want to be too critical of him, but he's he's limited now, but he's still an incredible defender. He made it hard on Jimmy. Uh, he, he plays the right way. And then Jimmy, for a guy that's a superstar in the NBA, you know, never really takes bad shots. You know, he'll go a game where he takes six, seven shots, and he kind of defers and just makes the right play. That Heat team is really fun to watch because I think they play, you know, exactly how you're supposed to play. You know, they're, they're so tough. I mean, they were just – they just wore down the Bucks with their toughness, their unselfishness, and, and they have guys that can make big shots. So, you know, it's, it'll be awfully exciting, and hopefully the Clippers can, can win game seven and advance to the, to the Western Conference Finals, and then hopefully, you know, the Heat can, can beat the Celtics and we can have a, you know, cl- you know one step closer to an all-Marquette uh, final. Uh, you talk about, you know, what's been going on lately, obviously, with, with COVID and everything, but – it hasn't stopped your uh, global domination and takeover in the greater Mequon area from what I've seen. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about, I mean, are you done now? You've had your one retirement. Are you officially done and, and moving on or 
we gonna break some news here? Well, no, I'm not a I'm not a Packer fan, as you know, Scott. So, but you'll you'll know, notice the reference between me and Favre. You know, we kind of just keep going back and forth. So it's not official yet. I'm not gonna say that. Uh, but no, like you said, we're uh, Steve Becker, who runs Athlete Performance, and I have have partnered in building uh, a sports complex here in Mequon. Uh, they'll have three full court uh, basketball hoops. Our best sports, uh, you'll have indoor turf, you'll have a strength and conditioning component. Uh, so it's kind of a all one stop for kids to come there and grow and get better. So really excited. It'll be done early spring next year. Um, so just looking forward to that. And, you know, even if I don't go back and play or if I do go back and play, that, that'll be the next, you know, step in my for, for my future. How's that been? I mean, obviously, you've known at some point your playing career was going to be over. And it, it not that it is now, but probably going to go on in your terms, but that shift and, and how you've kind of now had to look even further and beyond basketball. Yeah. You know, stopping to play the first time when I was 32, it was always in the back of my mind that I wanted to go back and play and physically and mentally, I thought I could. And it, it was, it's been a, a blessing. It's been the best decision I made the last three years competing again at a high level has been uh, incredible for me, but you know, as, as you know, and, and as people know, you know, father time, it's undefeated you get older and you can't play basketball forever so now you can start looking to what, what you can do for the future and you know this is a big step for me it's it's something where I can you know create an environment a, a facility where I can you know pass on my knowledge and, and give kids an opportunity to come and work and get better and enjoy themselves while doing that. You do mention the first time you retired uh, you joined our staff obviously here at Marquette Maybe talk a little about that process. I don't think that you there wasn't a relationship with Wojo ahead of that, right? It's just kind of all timing worked out, and you were able to come back. Yeah, no, I, I just sent him a congratulatory text messages uh, message on being named the, the head coach of Marquette. We we're you know as an alumni, awfully excited to have him. And then he said, you know, whenever you're done playing, I would love to have you on staff. And it had been in the back of my mind at that point that I was thinking about taking a break. And just the opportunity seemed great. You know, Wojo coming in his first year uh, just felt like the right thing to do at that time. Uh, it was a it was a great three years to see how the program is, has grown even since then. Uh, it is, I think, on the right trajectory. But in the back of my mind, like I said before, it was I just missed the the component of competing and just being in a locker room as a player. You know, there's something about you know going into a locker room after a game after a tough loss, after a big win, and just being around guys and your teammates. So I miss that. And for the last three years, you know, I've gotten a taste of that again, and it's been it's been wonderful. So stacking the teams for noon ball wasn't giving you enough of that competitive edge that you knew you would never lose? I had a career winning percentage, about 98% noon ball. And people think you're making that up, but I know that you guys actually did track that and put it up in the office on a daily basis. Absolutely. You know, why, you know, when you have a bunch of, you know, competitors, you know, the game is set up to get a workout and that changes after the first like five minutes when there's a bad call is a bad shot or someone's cursing somebody out. And usually I was the one doing that, but Surprising. you know, it's just, it takes over and those games became, you know, really, really competitive. And, you know, most importantly, it was a great, it was a great workout. As you look back now a little bit on your basketball career and we focus more on, on the NBA, is there anything that, that the biggest thing you took away from that experience or that you remember the most? Do you, do you remember your first basket? I mean, how much of that 
do you bring with you to now the next part of your life? Yeah, I remember my first basket was in Memphis. It was a, a blowout, and I got in the last nine minutes. I made a three. But the following night, uh, or two nights, it was either the following night or, or two nights after that, I was I was back in Milwaukee. So my first extensive playing time came in Milwaukee, and I played really well. I remember being super nervous, super anxious for that game because I knew going in, someone had gotten hurt, and I knew I was going to have you know a chance to play 15, 20 minutes. And – you know, to have that opportunity in my first, you know, time to really play in the NBA, to be back in Milwaukee, I got a nice ovation from, you know, obviously the, the Marquette fans that were in attendance in the Milwaukee, the Milwaukee people. So that's one moment I'll for sure never forget, you know, and you just take bits and pieces throughout every experience you have, whether that was for me in the NBA or in Italy, and just try to take those moments and, and relish in them when you get older and, and talk to your, your kids about them and just on what the experiences were like, good and bad. When I think Portland was your last stop, right, did, did you know that you were probably done in the NBA or did you had you accepted that at that point and just go play overseas or did you think you could try to get back? I had, you know, it was, it was tough because that following summer I had a, an invite from the Bucks, So, you know, that was really hard to have an opportunity to come and I would have been the third point guard for the Bucks, And it was just something like, for me, I didn't, pl I didn't play that previous year very much in the NBA and I, I wanted to compete again. I wanted to have a role and for it to be the Bucks made it really hard. I think any other team I was ready, I was committed to going overseas and, and doing that. But for me, it was never about you know, I didn't want to sit there as a third point guard, and the only way to get in is either an injury or someone's going to have to play bad. It's it's kind of a bad thought process. So for me, I want to I want to have a major role. I want to play 35, 30 to thirty five minutes a game and and compete again. So that was what was most important for me, and I decided to take that leap and go overseas. And the seven years I've played overseas have been filled with uh, incredible moments, and it's just a experience that not you know many people can go through, taking their family, having kids over there, and. You know, I think I'm very appreciative of the years that I had, you know, overseas. You think back to your Marquette career, and, and I wanted to start on the end of it just because similarities to where we're at right now, and I don't know if you even thought about that. I mean, you got hurt. Your season ended before you wanted it to, much like this just happened last year, and who knows where we're at this year. What are your thoughts or, or, you know, or what were your thoughts then and comparable to what they are now where you just don't have that control and, and going out the way you want to go out? I mean, not everybody's going to leave with a win, obviously. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. You know, in college, you know, you, that, you know, not to be able to go out there and compete, especially on senior day with, with guys you've been through for, for your whole career, not to, you know, put on that, not to know when you can put on your jersey one last time. Uh, was difficult and but you know in basketball and in sports you learn you know you know you can't be the victim like it, stuff happens everything happens for a reason maybe that you know injury prepared me better for the NBA and that that leading up to the NBA and getting better and, and things of that sort made me get stronger so uh, I've always taken the good with the bad it was unfortunate obviously that that I got hurt but it, it's part of it it's part of the story and now you know <clears throat> you know fast forward to now and, and in March you know COVID hits and the season's canceled and we're having a good season overseas and that potentially could be my last competitive game. And then, you know, this summer happens the TBT and that could be my last game. So, you know, I, I try not to read too much into all that. You know, I've always made decisions based on if I feel like I can play at a high level, if I'm healthy and obviously, 
with my family if, if they're comfortable going overseas again. And, and right now all those are, are good, but you know, it's a, it's a process, you know, packing up and going overseas and, and, and doing that whole deal again. So, you know, if, if it's over, it's over. I don't, uh, it, there's no drama to it. There's, it's just, it'll be, you know, time to move on to my next, my next stage. Well, it's gonna, you'll be able to sleep all right, knowing that potentially your last shot was for a million dollars. I mean, who, how many guys are able to say that, right? I'm, I, and I know you were doing your media tour, uh, basically all summer, uh, from what I was able to see, <laughs> just, uh, looking back now a little bit further away, just what that experience meant to you, not only the shot, but I know you, you talked about the whole time about those guys and that group and being as connected as you were, not only then, but hopefully now moving forward as well. When you get to 38 years old and you know that there's not many moments left and, and great moments and nothing's guaranteed in, in basketball. It's, it's pretty simple. It's, it's black and white. It's you win or you lose. So those moments where you really can accomplish something that's bigger than yourself and, and we were able to overcome what happened last year when we lost in the championship to, to be able to accomplish that with pretty much the same group of guys means a lot. And it means a lot because for me, I know it's, you know, it's the finish line is right there. And for these guys, I told them after the game, you know, you guys don't understand really what it meant to me because, you know, I'm almost done. You guys maybe don't appreciate it as much as, as I do, but, and then even more so is the fact that, you know, my kids got to see me like do something, you know, I've, my whole career has been, you know, the, the wonderful moments mostly have been just, you know, me and my wife or myself in college and, there's nobody really to share that with and to see their joy and, and stuff like that. So that's what made it most important to me and, and very blessed that it happened. I mean, I, I made one shot in the game. I made two shots in the tournament. So I, I know, I, I knew, I know, I knew my role going into the, the tournament. I knew what it was going to, what I was going to be and why, why I was there. And I think that's what made our team so successful is everyone really knew their role and, and tried to fulfill that the best. I mean, we saw DJO was the best player in the tournament and he came off the bench and we told him going in, look, you know, you got to sacrifice, you're coming off the bench. We want you in this role. And uh, I think that was just the, you know, why it made it so special is we were the most connected team in that tournament. Well, I think it's interesting too, even leading up to it and talking to you, you felt like DJO was the difference and, and it, it played out and not that he was the only guy, but everybody, even and I know you, you made you brought him up too, and I bring Derek Wilson was just as important, and that's huge, and especially in a tournament like that. Absolutely, and I played with I've played with DJ overseas uh, for a year, so I know maybe more so than than people here or, or people that we played with just how how good he is and how special he is, and to have a guy that can take over a game offensively is something we had missed in the previous years when we needed a basket. You know, hey DJ, go create something. And he was wonderful. And he's got, a, you know, he's competitive. He's, he's an animal. Like we needed that as well. And, you know, I was, I was probably happiest for Derek because, you know, I was on staff for Derek's senior year. And I think he gets uh, a lot of uh, negative criticism for, for his career in, in his senior year. And if you surround Derek with good offensive players, Derek is one of the best defensive players you'll ever find. So I think it was unfortunate that senior year for him that, you know, we had asked him to have to score the basketball and that's just not what he's great at. 
And you saw in the tournament him guarding the best players in that tournament and absolutely shutting them down. And we don't we don't win that tournament without him. And I was I was happy to see that because you know, like I said, being on staff with Derek and knowing what kind of character and what kind of kid he is uh, meant a lot to me. I think it's interesting for people to see too, and the TBT provides this because you know it's such a small margin in the NBA, but. Like, people I don't think realize that players get better after they leave Marquette, right? Like, it's not you just go play overseas and you're playing games. And you get to see that a guy like Derek, DJO, Dwight Bikes, Jamil, all these guys, they're still working hard and improving, and it shows up in in something like the TBT. Absolutely. Like, you see, like, people don't see these guys play, and they just think back to how they were in college. Like, they're not going to get any better. I mean – Dwight Bikes averaged maybe eight, nine points a game at Marquette, and he's he's played in the NBA for a number of years. Now he's, you know, he's had a great career. Uh, DJO has gotten a lot better. Jamil, like you said. And, and Derek overseas right now plays in second division Turkey, probably will average 15 to 20 points a game. But people don't see that, that, you know, your best years are, you know, 27 to 31 years old. And, you know, they guys develop, guys put a lot of time and, and commitment into getting better and their games develop. And, you know, in college, you know, it's very regimented. It's very strict. There's not a lot of – there's more freedom now for guys to play. But back then, you know, it was like you had your role, and if you tried to do anything else, you were – you know, you were coming out. And I think Dwight Bikes went through that with Buzz. And obviously Derek was limited as an offensive player in college. And you just kind of – you just developed. Is there a, uh, a story you haven't told from that TBT? Well, first of all, let me clarify. Is there a story you can tell uh, and then maybe one you haven't told from that? Just a, a moment when you guys were not playing or I know you spent a lot of time together, obviously, and, and knowing some of those guys with DJO and Dwight, and they have some things to say every once in a while. That would be funny, I would think. Well, there's there's two stories. One's a, one's a serious one, and, and where they all were serious, it's – just how I think locked in we were. I mean, we would, I think it had, it was the night before the, the championship game and we just, or maybe it was going to the, that day going to the game and, you know, we just brought everybody together in, in, in Joe's room. Uh, so we had, you know, 13 guys packed into one hotel room and everyone kind of just voiced their, their opinion on what it meant to them and, and things of that sort and kind of, Hey, this is, this is where we're at. This is why we're here. We deserve to be here. We deserve to win. This is our year and kind of laid it all out there in in a very emotional, you know, 15 to 20 minutes where everyone kind of just, we were on the same page, kind of that moment at that time, I knew we were going to win the game. I think there's certain times, you know, you're going to win. There's certain times, you know, you're going to lose. And and this was one time I just, I was extremely confident, maybe more so than any, any point in my life that we were going to win the championship. And that's a, that's a heck of a feeling going into a, a game that, you know, matters a lot for, for so many people. And then the second one is, is kind of comical, just if you know DJO and, and I know him and I, I know I've been around him, but we were in, I think the semifinal game and, and DJO had gotten in the game cause he's coming off the bench. It got in the game for maybe like 30 seconds. And then there was a timeout. He hadn't even touched the ball yet. The game was like tied. There's a timeout. He comes to the to the bench and he's kicking chairs, throwing chairs, and and we're like, everyone's looking around and we're like, DJ, what? what? I go up to DJ. I go, what is what is your problem? What's wrong? You haven't even touched the ball yet. Nothing that bad has happened yet. And he's he's cursing. He's like, we're not ready. We have no energy. And he's he's going off. And finally, I just go up to him. I go, DJ, just relax. You're gonna 
everything's going to be all right. It's the first quarter. Yeah. You've been in 38 seconds. Let's just, let's just take a deep breath. But that's, that's what we missed to a certain extent. Like he brings that, that fire, that competitiveness. Uh, and it's, and when you can channel it from him, he's, I mean, you saw, everyone saw it. He's the best player in the tournament. And then obviously the championship game, you guys win, but the opponent turns out to be uh, sideline cancer, right. And uh, great cause. And th- that, relationship i know you guys donated some of your winnings but now they're making t-shirts calling you out i mean how does that make you feel? <laughs> and where can i get one yeah i tried to i tried to get one i tried to offer if i could buy it maybe that was the only kid that had one uh it's a it's a great friendly rivalry you know obviously what they represent means more than than anything you know to to represent you know can, uh, pancreatic cancer and they actually you know to have a you know, it's real close to them and real personal. And for us to, you know, a small gesture, you know, after we won to, to give some of our winnings to them, but you know, for them to make t-shirts and, and, you know, we, if we would have lost it, it would have been better uh, in that case because we were lost a worthy opponent and someone that represents something bigger than basketball. So uh, it's kind of developed into this, uh, you know, friendly little joking uh, little deal we got going. Looking back on the tournament as a whole, people automatically are going to ask, you know, what about next year already? Did they sign? I know you didn't want to, you didn't want to play this year, right? Uh, according to reports. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, the, the future is what, uh, what it brings, I guess. Right. Yeah. I think, I think it'd be hard to say that, you know, we're not, well, first off, we're, we're going to have a team in it. Um, you know, you can't win. And then I think just, just not be, have a team in there. Now for me, it, it, a lot depends on if I'm healthy and, and how I feel, but, you know, if I feel good, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to play in that for sure. Again, it's, it's a, it's a great experience, even though if, if I can't get the job done just to be on the bench and, and be around those guys again is, is a, is a joy for me uh, for that, that few weeks during the summer to, to play competitive high level basketball again is, is something I've looked forward to. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, if I, if I feel good and healthy enough. And, and how has it been for you at home? I mean, obviously, with all this, you'd probably be gone by now, I would think, right? Um, and, and just talk a bit about your update at home. I know you got the kids off to school, so that's a uh, blessing in a lot of ways. But, yeah, what's uh, what's been going on with you? Yeah, it's, it's great. It's great to have a lot of time at home. And, you know, right now it's such a downtime for me and, and my wife. And to be able to be around the kids for a long time, you know, we've been home since March. And with all this COVID uh, stuff going on, you know, I've – every day is probably, you know, been in the house with the kids, just hanging out, but it's, it's good that they're back in school. Uh, they've started last week. They're having a great time. Uh, thankfully there's hasn't been any cases at their school, so they're doing well. We're doing well. It's, uh, nice to have just some downtime to decompress and, uh, just enjoy the, the fall weather here in Wisconsin, which we never really got to experience, uh, for a lot of the years. So uh, the three kids are doing well. Well, um, we're actually expecting another one in, in mid-February, so that throws a, a little loop into the uh, equation of going back overseas as well. So. Well, there's some breaking news. We got something out of you, at least. That's good. Hopefully people wait yeah, there you go. to the end of this to listen to the whole thing. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna tune in for a minute and then shut it off, so <laughs> nobody will find out about that. <laughs> well, we'll see. This will be good. Uh, if you start getting texts uh, when this posts, then you know. Yeah. All right, man. I appreciate it. Uh, good luck with everything. Uh, if that was your last shot, Marquette fans are 
more than happy with it. But uh, if it's in your plans that it wasn't, then, then that's awesome too. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, buddy. We hope you've enjoyed the latest episode of the Ring Out Ahoya podcast, which is available on gomarquette.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening and go Marquette.